0: We'd like to welcome all of you to our Sunday service. A special welcome to all of our guests here at the Expanding Light and to all of our visitors from the local area as well as those viewing us on the internet. My name is Nayaswami Pranaba, and this is Nayaswami Parvati. This reading is taken from Rays of the One Light with commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita. Today's topic is, Is God present even there? where there is ignorance. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your own deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. The Gospel of St. John, Chapter 1, makes a reference to the divine light that is obscure to the rational faculty, but that enlightens our higher nature. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Reason recoils from this statement with innumerable questions. What is this darkness? Is it conscious that it should comprehend anything? What sort of light would be capable of shining in darkness without transforming at least that part of the darkness in which it shines into light? Does this light shine only at night? And if so, why only then? The solution is that to inner, to divine sight even daylight seems darkness. The sun itself, like the moon, which shines only by reflected light from the sun, is but a kind of reflection of the cosmic light, which being immaterial, is invisible to the eyes, but which is the great source of all material reality. In Autobiography of a Yogi, Paramhansa Yogananda describes his youthful visit to Ram Gopal Musamdar, the sleepless saint, who lived in the vision of that hidden light. Around midnight, Yogananda wrote, Ram Gopal fell into silence, and I lay down on my blankets. Closing my eyes, I saw flashes of lightning. The vast space within me was a chamber of molten light. I opened my eyes and observed the same dazzling radiance. The room became a part of the infinite vault, which I beheld with interior vision. Why don't you go to sleep? Sir, how can I sleep in the presence of lightning, blazing whether my eyes are shut or open. You are blessed to have this experience. The spiritual radiations are not easily seen. The saint then added a few words of affection. This is the light that shineth in darkness. It has been described variously in the great scriptures. In the Bhagavad Gita, in the 11th chapter, the devotee, Arjuna, is given an experience of the infinite state and exclaims in awe, if there should rise suddenly within the skies sunburst of a thousand suns, flooding earth with beams undeemed of, then might be that Holy One's majesty and radiance dreamed of. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh,
1: and begin by reading from Whispers from Eternity. Wake me that I may know that the terrors of mundane delusion are only dreams. Wrapped in the blanket of hope, I slept long. I dreamed I was sitting on a throne. My face wreathed in smiles. My smiles withered and the petals of my merriment dropped away one by one. Suddenly I beheld myself in rags. Seated on the hard stones of poverty, I wept, and my teardrops fell on the unheeding, unrelenting stones of my present circumstances. The world passed me by in mocking silence. I cried out for thy help, and thou didst wake me at last to the force of my desperation. I laugh to find myself at last neither rich nor poor, but safe forever in thy arms. O oh, waken all anxious souls from their dreams of smiling opulence and crying poverty. O oh, maker of dream worlds, deliver me forever from the nightmares of disease and death. Wake me to immortality, wake me to unshaken calmness that I may know that the fierce terrors of mundane delusion to be only dreams. For whatever reason, that's been one of my favorite <laughs> poems of Yogananda's. Um, the topic today, the, the light shineth in darkness, but the, or the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not, is an important one. It's vast, can be talked about in a number of different ways. I wanted to tell you just a, a short story and then another one after that. But this one, it was something that I experienced in San Francisco just a few months ago. We were visiting down there and went into a little restaurant we go to. And um, we were sitting there. And it's always noisy and a lot of action. and, uh, and there, But there were two voices Directly behind me, that I I couldn't just turn around and look at them because they were right there, but they were talking louder than all the rest of the noise and these big plans about movies and you're and one was inviting the other one to come and be part of this special project and he was so happy and they just went on and on you know and I expected to turn around and see or see at some point. These two really well dressed men and nice looking, and all of that. And I just could hardly wait until they left, you know, and finished because it was so loud. But when they left, it was actually very touching. The one man who was inviting the other to come and be part of this special project had a horribly scarred face and he was blind, he had a little stick. And the other man was just kind of very humble and kind of simple-looking. And they didn't reflect at all the consciousness that they were projecting out. They were fine. But when they left, the one helped the other and they walked up the street. And I just thought, wow. I mean, on many different levels, poignant, but also in duality, And in this world, things are not what they seem. You know, so many times you look at people, they're not what they seem. And that light that comes in, tries to come into the darkness, it's very hard for the darkness to really understand the light and to even want to see it. There's a story of a miracle that Yogananda Performed in Encinitas. And Swami told it recently on the uh, the talk that he did in Mumbai. But I read it a number of months ago and I was just very, I don't know, touched by it, intrigued by it also. And it's the story, and, and put yourself in this situation. Uh, Yogananda, right after he came back from India in the late 30s, Rajasi, had, Rajasi Janakananda, his uh, direct disciple, had built him a beautiful hermitage there in Encinitas. And many of you have probably been there. Well, Encinitas at that time, in the late 30s, early 40s, was a very small, isolated little seaside town where, in other words, everybody living there knew each other. And it was 100 miles from Los Angeles, not too far from San Diego. But San Diego was very small at the time too, let's say in the 1940s. And there was a man there, living there, who was a real estate agent. And his wife had been sick for, they say, 90 days so three months. And she was dying, basically. And the man was very desperate and heard about Yogananda, who, I mean, the hermitage was the big thing in Encinitas there. How could he not have heard of Yogananda? So anyway, he heard of him. But, you know, what went on there and who those people were and all of that... But he heard that Yogananda was able to heal people. And so he went to him and asked him if he could come and heal his wife, help him. He was desperate. And Yogananda said, Well, I can't come right now. I don't feel that guidance to come, but I will pray for her. And so he prayed, and shortly thereafter she died. And when she died, he then felt, the guidance to go and, and uh, visit and, and see what he could do. And he said he walked into a home that was filled with about 30 people, all grieving. The husband was shaking the wife, she, she's gone, shaking the wife, and not just out of his mind. And Yogananda just gently asked everyone to leave, pushed the man aside gently. And took the woman and put his hand on her heart and his hand on her back and just prayed with her and sending that life force in. And he said, after a while, he said it was like a motor restarting. And and then she, she started breathing again and came back. And... Just think about yourself being in that situation. Little town of Encinitas and this woman has just died. This very strange looking man comes in and basically brings her back to life. Does a miracle that Jesus did. I doubt that there was much repercussion from that. I don't think flocks of people came to see Yogananda after that from those that had witnessed that incredible miracle. Was there a headline in the local paper local swami raises woman from the dead no because it was so i would think this is my interpretation it was so dramatic that people living in darkness in ignorance not living spiritual lives in other words probably really couldn't see what happened there and probably just said oh well she didn't she didn't die you know He just came in and blessed her, and now she's living again. But it's so interesting how when you live in a different level of consciousness, and that's basically what it is. That darkness is simply ignorance. It's nothing bad. We all have it, otherwise we wouldn't still be here. We live in ignorance, and some of it's light, and some of it's very heavy. But... uh, For the light to be able to come into that, we have to invite it. And we have to begin opening up to that. So these things happen. It's not that miracles and that light isn't always trying to come into our lives and to come into life around us. But we choose to ignore it. We choose to uh, cut it out. When we first began Ananda... There were many miracles that happened. Nobody died here for about 12 years. That's a miracle because we were out running around chainsawing in the forest and having fires and all kinds of things happened. People came close but did not die. One person got their face burned off. Another person uh, broke her neck. Another guy fell out of a tree 60 feet. Another person on the way to town towing a trailer in an old truck drove off the cliff and didn't die. Didn't even go very far down. No, it all got angled. So these things are happening where, and we could feel at that time, living in attunement with that light and with God's grace, that grace comes in and helps you. But you have to be aware of it and you have to be open to it. And so outwardly, that darkness can be a real block. And undoubtedly, we've all met people of various levels of consciousness. People who are much more aware and open spiritually and you say something to them and they light up. And others who you talk to them and it's just not going to register at all. It doesn't register. I have the uh, unique position of uh, working with the Jonica Foundation and estate planning for all of Ananda. And it's a wonderful thing to do. I feel very blessed to do it. And periodically I go to learn about estate planning because I didn't know much about it when I started about eight years ago. And I learn a little bit. I go to seminars and I just uh, went this week to one in San Francisco and uh, i enjoy going because the energy is very high the information is high quality but i am probably the only person representing an organization like ours in a room of hundreds of people and this is the you know the city club of san francisco 10th floor of a you know building in the financial district and everybody's in suits and very spiffy looking and i try to look as fiffy as I can. <laughs> but uh, but they're good people. They're all, they're representing charities, organizations that help people. So it's a very nice vibration in that way. But uh, I'm very um, just honest about who I am. Oh, the Jonica Foundation, what does that do? I said, well, we're, it represents our parent organization, Ananda, and we are a, an organization of... Uh, Yoga and meditation and communities all, world, all over the world. And sometimes I get a smile and sometimes I get... <laughs> okay, now who are you? <laughs> Someone just walks away. But, but it's fine, you know, it's fine. <laughs> because it's also outwardly, when we're thinking about this topic of uh, light coming into darkness and darkness not being interested, there's levels of darkness And it's very important for us to be able to relate to different levels of consciousness. Because levels of darkness are levels of consciousness. And so that we're able to just be there with people but not expect more than where they're at. I used to notice this a lot with my parents in that I would go to visit them once I came on this path and they came up here. They had absolutely zero interest in what i was doing here but they had very much interest in me personally and so they were you know always wanting to support me and be kind and you know all of that very very good uh, karma for them but the spiritual part we had in 30 35 years one conversation about this path and i laid it out for them told them all about the gurus and everything and they simply weren't interested. We never had another conversation about it, which was just fine because they were not interested. That wasn't where they were at. But what they did, and it, you know, it's a little disconcerting at first because you're all excited about being on the path, but what I realized was they were interested in goodness. They were interested in being happy. They were interested in kindness and love. And so when I went to visit them, what I gave them. I didn't talk about the spiritual life unless they asked and then I'd say just a little bit because I knew that wasn't where they were but you know when you're in that place of just not interest in, in more higher consciousness you really don't want to hear more about it and it's good to respect where people are and just enjoy them for who they are. You know, we have a a long-standing tradition of reading P.G. Woodhouse plays and, you know, having them put on and all of that. Swami Kriyananda started that in the very early years of Ananda. He didn't do anything here that wasn't for a reason. I mean, it was fun and all of that, but P.G. Woodhouse had the ability, as a uh, writer... To see the lightness, to see people for exactly who they were, the characters that they were, and describe them, but with kindliness. And so it's humor with kindliness. And, you know, not being, uh, you know, covering things over, but bringing that element in. And so we all get a chance to feel what that vibration is like, to respect where people are, and yet not um, not be other than who you are either. You know, be honest about who you are. So the outer part of this darkness coming into light is one aspect of things. But the other aspect is the darkness, the light is coming into our darkness. So here it gets very personal. And, uh, and I think I was just thinking about... Um, when we begin to come on the path, and the beginning can be many lifetimes, long, long time, but we start inviting that light in, it's really important that we really not get surprised by what happens. And there's that term false expectations, kind of can apply it to relationships, but our relationship with God is like that too. We don't want to have false expectations. And so when light begins to come in and we invite it, we, we, have, we have to make the first move. We have to say, God, I am sick to death of this duality that's around me. That You know, Master, Master Yogananda said, the anguishing monotony of duality you know, I mean, it's never going to get better than this and this and this and this. Maybe this and this and this and this and this, this, this. But it never will go up. It just is like that as long as we live on that level. And so um, to come to that place where we really want that light and are inviting it in, that's, that's a very special time. And God, when we first... Do that, uh, may give us some presents, some gifts, saying, Oh gosh, I'm really happy that you're turning in this direction. Now let's get down to work. (laughs) And that's where the false expectations on the spiritual path really need to be addressed. Life is a school and life is a battle, and it is never ending until we are absolutely free. duality because we're always we in ourselves always confronting that darkness and as it says in the readings one of them either this one or one of the other books that darkness is conscious you can call it satan if you like you can call it darkness if you like you can call it whatever you like but it is the job of that darkness to keep us involved and keep us involved in what in duality the thing that's never-ending, and never will go anywhere. And because it's unfulfilling, will also be extremely painful in our lives as we go along. And so we want to rise up. We came from light. We want to go back to that light. That's why we're always looking around for something better, because we're hoping it will take us up. But the only thing that will take us up is the light. And we have to attune to that light. So inwardly, that school, we have a little joke, Pranaba and I, about, okay, do we have to go to school today? Yep, it's time to go to school. (laughs) Swami's little song, light, light. But that's kind of the attitude every day. It's time to go to school and it's time to go right now and where there's so much to learn every day, and, and to really invite that light in in that way. And the other part is that it's a battle. It will test you to the ultimate. As you go along and at your own level, as you invite it in, if you don't want more light, it won't come simply. But as you invite that light in, and you become stronger in the light, then the tests come that you can face. And why do they come? They come so that you can be done with that darkness, so that you can put that laser beam of light on that darkness, see it for what it is, dissolve it, and be done with it forever. And one of the biggest ways, there are just three things that I wanted to mention this morning. One is, of course, the Guru's grace. We really can't be free when we're in this part of things as Swami has said does everyone need a guru no they don't if they're just interested in spirituality and the teachings but when you have that thought in your mind I want to know God I want more light in my life then that's when the guru becomes really essential so the guru's grace and attuning to that grace becomes very essential the other part is we have some wonderful meditation techniques. Meditation is absolutely essential. Doesn't matter how hard it is for every one of us, it is absolutely essential. Never say, Oh, I can't meditate. Of course, you can. Everyone can meditate. May not be much, may not be deep, but we can all do it. It's essential because it allows us to put our energy in and to really try to work off some of that ignorance and that darkness but the last thing is really devotion and love I was talking with a friend a few months ago and she's got a difficult situation physically and um just not an easy time and and you know therefore is a little more isolated and and is able to get to Sunday service a bit but but um when you get in that situation your mind can go into darkness, meaning all the things that have happened that haven't been right or this person or that situation or whatever it is that the mind, again, that darkness is conscious and will say, yeah, let's, let's really get into that. Let's really think about that. And it's just an unending and really diminishing of the light cycle that we can find ourselves in and we'll all go through these tests it's not a a surprise or big deal but I I just in being with her I thought what can I say to her it is hard and then I thought you know the only thing that, that you can do about this is love that's it you cannot do anything else you must love and you must apply that love to those situations and Resolve it and just be done with it. There's no other answer than that. You know, a a group here came, um, uh, I think it was last summer, last fall, something. Uh, They were soldiers that had been in Iraq, Iran, Vietnam, all kinds of different wars. And um, they were called Soldiers Heart. And they came here to the Expanding Light and had their own program. We didn't come around much during that time because they were dealing with very heavy-duty stuff. And uh, but one of th- on the write-up that uh, someone did from the expanding light staff, one of the soldiers, the older one, said he said, you know, there's lots of theories out there because they're dealing with post-traumatic stress syndrome syndrome and all this very heavy stuff. And he said there's lots of theories out there about what works and You know, things you can do and don't do. And he said, the only thing that I've ever seen work is love. So, anyway, it just, you know, the spiritual life and the part that we're trying to tune into of light is very simple. Love God, attune to the guru, be attuned, and practice the teachings and meditate every day. It will be a lifeline for you as you go along and you'll find in your life as you do that it's not all just grim you know doing things. As you do that every day you're building a base of light that really draws more light to it. It will anchor you in hard times and you will know how to respond and how to act how to draw that light in to help you. Whenever you get to the place where it's just too much and remember again for the darkness and the the job of the darkness darkness is just doing its job remember that be light about it the light the darkness its job is to make things look impossible there's no hope there's no solution you know it's just this and it's heavy, it's dark, it's... But if you cling to the light and have as a mantra something like, no matter what, Master, I'm a child of your light. And Master himself said, naughty or good, I'm yours. you know. So have that, some simple phrase like that, always in your mind, always with you. And don't buy into that darkness is the reality. It simply isn't. Light is the reality. And as we awaken more and more to that light, it will be much more of a reality in our own lives and we'll find that light coming in and helping us in innumerable ways. Joy to you.